Welcome to the podcast from Commonwealth Magazine. I'm Michael Jonas. I'm here today with my colleague Bruce Mole, and we are thrilled to be joined for this pre-Thanksgiving episode of the podcast by none other than the Mayor of Boston, Marty Walsh. Uh, Mr. Mayor, welcome. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? Good. Uh, so you're, I know, back from a, a visit uh, the other day to Los Angeles yeah. for a city-to-city conference. Next week you're heading to Ireland. Uh, there's not a lot of downtime, it seems, to just sort of, uh, you know, sit back on the couch and relax. Do you feel ever like you're just sort of on the <laughs> treadmill, that you know, 24-7 treadmill that yeah, keeps going since, without uh, stopping? Since probably the day I said I was thinking of running for mayor of Boston today, it really hasn't stopped. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of time. Um, yeah. You know, um, L.A., the, the trips that we do, I don't do that many trips, but when right. I do them, they're good. They're quick usually, um, but they're good to see what happens in other places. Um, my downtime really is, you know, if I go for a walk or, um, you know, thinking at home a little bit about how we move forward here. Yeah, I mean, um, what do you do to sort of clear your head or even just, you know, you said you spend time thinking at yeah. home. What do you do when you just try I mean, to get away from it all, you go, know, either go, physically or in your yeah, own mind? Go for walks um, is one thing I do. Obviously, I don't do it consistently enough, um, you know, uh, during football season, I watch football and get out of everything. You're a little bit of a Patriots fan, a I know, right? A little bit of a Patriots fan, yeah. A, a, a 9-1 struggling New England Patriots. People are freaking out. I'm like, well, 9-1, and one. everyone, just take it take it easy. Um, no, you, you know, just that stuff. Uh, I love doing stuff, putting around the house, doing stuff around the house. Um, it's kind of like my, my area that I just like to kind of just chill out and you, you get to think about things like that. Yeah. Are you handy? Do you do No, not projects? really. No, no I, like yeah. I'll clean around the house. I'm not that handy. Yeah. I um, remember from reading stuff before, you're kind of a neat neck. You like things yeah, to be Yeah, I like just things so, right, right where they're supposed to be. So yeah. uh, all that stuff's important. Um, you know, you don't have a lot of time. Uh, a lot of, In this job, I find probably probably the same for the governor, but in, as a mayor, you really don't have a lot of downtime. I mean, you're dealing with – the day-to-day situations that, that come up inevitably. Then you're dealing with long-term, uh, like we'll talk about later on, some of the issues we're talking about, um, you know, the challenges of a city. Um, and you constantly never stops. I mean, it just never stops. And, and, and um, you know, I tell the story when, when um, um, the, during the Olympic bid, like when, when Boston was awarded the 2024, we could be into the into the into the final. We're excited in the office, and like literally two minutes later, another meeting came in. Like that, that was over. I was on to the next thing, and you know, you're constantly that way. You, it's constantly ups and downs all day long. Um, when I say that, n- not emotionally, but sometimes emotionally, you, you're dealing with you're dealing with personnel issues. You're dealing with situations. You're dealing with positive stuff. You know, the positive is very short. You're dealing with how do you how do you deal with you know incoming. Um, you know, when I became the mayor, I think I talked last time I was on here. Um, two things that really kind of that that was most surprising was the the schedule the request it's just insane it's just the amount of if there was, there was three of me I could fill a day uh, three different times and and, and and trying to decide what to go to what not to go to and then the, the increase of press um, and I think it's changed with social media I mean in the past you'd have you know the the, pa- the newspapers the the stations and maybe a couple of magazines a couple other things today there's so many outlets. And they're not asking like everyone has their niche, and they're asking about different things. And so my press team um, is is I think we have like seventeen requests, seventeen FOIAs a day or inform- inquiries a day. Wow! And that's a lot. And, and, and you know you get things like you know I was I get my my daily clips, um, and, and yesterday's daily clips I had today's too. Today's mostly transportation, but yesterday was talking about transportation, homelessness, environment, 
um, schools. Uh, so it's just they, everyone has a different topic, and they want the information today. So those things kind of surprised me um, as as a mayor very, in the very beginning, mm-hmm. and even today, like you know, I, I'm asked my opinion on everything. Like you know, I was asked my opinion on Tom Brady and Antonio Brown, which you've come and gone. And then when he left, what was my opinion of him leaving? Uh, what's my opinion of this and that? And so it, it's 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 a great job, but there's not a lot to answer your question. There's yeah. not a lot of downtime, and yeah. even when I'm down. You're never really down. You can't you don't really know tune if, it out. Like if Commissioner Gross calls me, God forbid, with, with, with something happening in the right. city or, or, or Joe Finn or if there's a water main break in the back bay or something like that, I'm constantly on. Um, and you just never know. Um, you just never know. And as you say, there's sort of a, an emotional side to the job too, and you have to sort of compartmentalize or jump from one thing to another. You might be in a, in a dry budget meeting, but then the next minute there's – something that really taps, uh, you know, one's emotions, whether it's a tragedy of some kind where you're called on to, to be there and, you know, you're kind of the, you know, the comforter in chief in some ways is the role of the mayor. That happens. And even in those, in those budget meetings you talk about, you know, they, they might not be, you know, dry, most exciting budget meetings, but they have implications that, that will, that go into other areas. So when you think about the decisions you make or when you're making decisions based on the budget, what are the impacts of, of the city as an organization and what are the impacts of the people of the city? as people and how do you make sure you make these investments that are important investments and and when and when and if like wh- how do you prioritize them um, a couple of years ago when we started the data dashboard in my office and, and keeping track of all the different stats and figures um, we saw that the uh, the ambulance response time was down a bit I think it was down like seconds I think you might have somebody reported on it and you realize okay so I brought down Chief Hooley and I called him and I said you know, why is our response time down? This is, this is not good. And it's simple. When you think about it, it was growing population, increased uh, capacity as far as new jobs in the city, and the epidemic of opioids. And that was taking up a lot of resources with ambulances going out to different calls for people overdosing. And you realize that, you know, we start to look, like you don't always think about as you grow as a city, um, you know, do you grow some of the services as well. And what we decided to do there was add uh, 20 different, 20, 20 additional ambulances in the city of Boston. And then we started to look at the opioid crisis where a lot of these kids and young people that were overdosing weren't going to the hospital, were hitting them with Narcan, they wouldn't refuse to go to the hospital. You can't force them if they don't want to go. So we decided to, instead of sending an ambulance out there, we'll send a car out there, uh, like a, a pickup, uh, not a pickup truck, but a, a truck with all the information, all the stuff in there. And you start thinking about that. And you start thinking about transportation and traffic and you know on those situations you know how do you deal with if you take spots away in downtown boston for you know blue bikes and 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 put more dedicated bike lanes what's the impact and how do you explain that stuff to people so it's a constant passing information out to people and and again with with social media sometimes it gets complicated because um, people have their opinions and you know some people say we're not moving fast enough and some people say we shouldn't be moving at all in some of these spaces and it but it, it is about looking at the city as a team you know almost it's almost like a sports team i mean that's how i kind of equate to the person that's not political and you're tom brady right no i know I, I, i'm not tom brady because just the <laughs> offense you need to be offensive and defensive uh, and you're thinking about the impacts that the decisions you make on, on offense uh, affect your defense and affect the outcome of the game. And so when you're thinking about running a city, the impacts that tra- the decisions that transportation makes and public works makes impacts schools and parks and, and things like that. So it's kind of like you kind of coordinate all of these different services. You know, Boston City is well, 47 roughly square miles. Uh, we have 18, roughly 18,000 employees for the city of Boston. Our, school, our budget is two, $3.2 billion. 
Um, so it's a, it's a big corporation. It's not it's not a small little thing, and and you can't control every aspect of it. So what you try to do is make sure that as you're laying down policy and laying down procedures, that there's a structural system set up inside that works. Sometimes that structural system works really well, and sometimes there's a breakdown in that structural system. Just like a sports team, sometimes you know whatever sport you want to talk about, if somebody doesn't pick up their slack. Uh, the other team finds that weakness and, and they score a goal. So we have to try and make sure that we eliminate the weaknesses that we have in our city and to have mostly strengths. And at the end of the day, not forgetting what this job's all about. My job is not about me. My job is not about getting accolades and all this other stuff. My job is about making sure that the average person in Boston, everybody if possible, but the average person in Boston thinks that they, that they, that they love their city because the streets are being clean, trash being picked up. They have an opportunity to buy a home. They have an opportunity to live in the city. That's what my job is as mayor. And I think that when you lose that site, focus on what you do, then it's time to go. Well, let's. You, you mentioned uh, transportation, so let's. You know, uh, let's. Uh, we're heading into Thanksgiving. Let's talk turkey. Yeah, let's a talk little, turkey. Uh, on transportation. It's funny. I looked up what that meant because I was about to say that, and I said, "What does that even? Where does, what does that come mean? from?" And it, there's a lot of arguments, like with a lot of these phrases about the origins. And one of them is that it's sort of. Uh, to talk in a flowery, overstated way, like a turkey puffing out its feathers. And then another one said it's just the opposite. It means to talk like directly and honestly. So we'll go with the latter one. Well, I'm going to do both here today. Uh-oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we know that's a politician's tendency. I'm going to talk how bad it is, but how good it's not that bad. Okay, <laughs> no, there you go. No, it, but, but I just wanted to sort of, you know, say, you know, we've, I think a lot of us have sort of paid attention this week to this Globe big series they spent uh, yeah. mon- months on putting together. Boston Magazine also came out with a list of, uh, you know, 40 recommendations. And certainly here, kind of on a day-to-day level, I give a lot of credit here to Bruce, who's sort of been dogged in, in covering what's happening on, on transportation and at the T. Um, but the but one thing that I think was sort of striking about the Globe series on trap, which was really more about traffic than about that about the T or transit is that they kind of started out with this jumping off point that we're kind of, you know, their premises were kind of just still too stuck in this car focused, car crazed culture. And then they went on to say that, that, that it kind of the problem sort of starts almost with personal habits of all the big honchos in the state. They start with the governor, the speaker. They yeah. tell us where the Senate president, how she I, I commutes how, by her car, and the mayor I, I itself. Know, I don't so. know how fair that is. That, that's, that's, uh, I don't think that, would, that, that piece of the story. I, yeah, I, make of that? I agree with, um, you know, we are very car dependent in some cases here in, in Massachusetts, probably not as car dependent as in L.A., and I'm going to talk about that in a second, um, because we, we do, we're a smaller city. Um, I think the culture in Boston is starting to change and has changed over the last five 10 years here where we're having more bikes more people are walking um more people uh, i mean i wish more people would take public transit i think a lot of people have lost some confidence in the system so we have think? to we have to bring we have to pull that pull that confidence back into the system um and you do that by investments um you know uh two two examples one is whenever i don't go that often when i go to new york city um I walk around New York City. I don't take a cab. I don't take the train. I don't take an Uber. I don't take any of that. I walk because I, I want to like experience. I just love it. In Boston, if somebody's going from here, we're at Eleven Beacon today, from Eleven Beacon to say um, I don't know um, Copley Square, um, we'd hop in a cab. When in fact, it's it's probably a seven minute walk, if you will, walk to the Common, beautiful walk to Public Garden, then you're in Copley Square. Um, we have to get that mindset a little more of a city that does that, and I, I think that we're kind of out of that. That mindset here, we got to get more into that. And I'm seeing more and more of it every day. Um, you know, that, that's one example. So that's an example of walking. Um, the other example is is making the investments to, to change to change the culture of how we make investments in, in public transit. Um, in LA, 
um, and I was glad I went my first time there. I was glad I went because I got a chance to really see what they're thinking long-term in the city. And their city, if you don't know L.A., it's a really sprawled city. Uh, there are certain sections, and, and you have to, there's no real clear way of tr transportation public to get to some of these places without taking three or four different changes. So they're building a system, a $120 billion system, um, by 2028 to actually make those connections. So, wow. you, so you can get around L.A. And in doing that, they're planning in a big way of new development in these different sections of L.A. So I think L.A. is going to look very different in 20 years than it does today. Um, they took a bold chance by going to the ballot measure with the, with, the, with, the, with the people of L.A. County to make these investments. And when I say L.A. County, L.A. County is made up by like 99 different cities. Uh, it, it sprawls bigger, but they made a decision to raise $120 billion. It would be like sort of the area within 128 almost, yeah, something like that. Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, probably, yeah, within 128. Yeah. Um, $120 billion over 40 years to make investments where they're going to in increase their sales tax. They can, they, get, they can keep the sales tax in the cities. We, we don't have that ability here in, the state, in, in Boston. Although there's been proposals to, on, to yeah, allow which, for that. Yeah, we're trying to do some stuff. So, but my point is, like, they, they, did, they polled it, and they put on the ballot, 71% of the people decided to raise, raise their taxes, if you will, because they saw the impacts of raising the taxes means $120 billion actual investment not not bonding potential investment investment in their system and they're building out these big big nodes of of connections right now in the city 400 million dollar projects all over the place they're going to make these better connections for public transit that's a bold idea we have to think bold here in massachusetts and i don't think we think bold enough um and, and you know the globe's story yesterday or the first day where they pointed out you know myself and all of us take i mean they're talking we're talking five people I mean, that's, that's not going to – I mean, I, I, I guess that their, their, their way of, you know, trying to make a, make a point. That's not the point. The point is the other part of that story that talks about the car culture in Massachusetts. And, and I, think that, I think that we have to think about if people felt that they could drive in the suburbs to a commuter rail stop station, park their car – for low money, get on a commuter rail, come into Boston, and know that when they're ready to leave at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock to be home for a soccer game at 6 o'clock, they can get there. And I don't think the confidence isn't there yet. Um, in the inner city, um, still people take, you know, from Dorchester, where we live, well, all three of us, where all of us live, I mean, we all live literally within a, within a walking distance of a station. Um, you know, our, our trains are full. I mean, they're full. I mean, you look at the red line, at least in the Boston section, Ashmont, Shawmut now. Shawmut wasn't always a full station. We redid it a bunch of years ago. It's full. Savin Hill feels corner. Fields Corner is basically a, a, an interchange of mode where people get buses there and they go to Brockton and they go um, all over the place. Uh, JFK, UMass, Savin Hill Station, and then all the way down the line, the line is full and people are taking it because it's accessible. But again, some people now are I'm hearing that they're not taking the train because they don't think it's dependable. So we have to be bold in thinking about making investments. You can't make investments into a train and not be bold about it. Um, and, and that's what I think we need. And, you know, well, I talk a lot about we don't have federal investments. We don't have federal investments. And the federal government's not being bold. And I don't think we're being bold enough here in, in Massachusetts. And I think we have to really think outside the box. Uh, on If we want to address the problems that, we're, that we've, I've been talking about, quite honestly, for the last five, six years since we did Go Boston 2030 in 2014, if we want to address those issues, you need the investment. And you can't, you can't one-off the investments. You can't make an investment this year and 10 years from now make another investment. You have to, you have to go all in. And as we think about Boston, as I think about the city growing and the sustainability of our city, it really is going to depend upon the real estate market, 
uh, I mean, excuse me, the, the transportation market, number one or number two, and number one or number two is housing. Those are the two biggest issues that are facing Boston in the next 10 to 20 years. And we've made some great strides in these areas, but again, it's, it's about being bold. So you talk about being bold, but the car culture that you also talk about, it, 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 you sort of dismiss the idea of the individual proclivities of the Beacon Hill leaders. No, no, no. But, but, no, but let me finish. That's an easy You're target. Dis- but that's let, an let easy me, target. Let, let's, just, let's just deal but, with that for a minute because that's an easy target. It's easy to write a story and say, oh, and Senate president, speaker, mayor, governor, take, and the representatives take the trains, take, take their cars to work. I mean, that's an easy target. I mean, that's, that's kind of like, you know, they, they, they refer to it as a perk. What's the perk about it? I mean, I just told you about my schedule and the life. It's like it's, I wouldn't regard have, getting driven around as a perk. I mean, if I could drive around myself, I'd probably do it. That's the, the way it's been set up. Um, but the point, the point of it is it's, it's not just about 205 people. We're talking about a situation that is far worse than 205 people. Uh, if the 205 all drive, not everyone drives at the legislature. Some people take trains, some people walk, depending on who it is, uh, where they live, according to the state house. I mean, when I was there, it's some carpool, so you don't have 205 cars from legislators in the. In the but day. is the car culture you're talking about of all of us? Is that what's sort of making? I get the sense that Beacon Hill is nervous about going bold. I mean, that the speaker just called off a debate he's been planning for months about transportation this fall and said, we'll put it off till next year. The governor doesn't seem to be talking. He's he's bold in terms of trying to fix the T, but he's not bold in some of these other measures. What's your assessment? My boldness is we probably, if, if the total, let's assume commuter rail, transportation, roads and bridges, and the inner core of the MBTA. Let's, let's, I'm just, this is not a figure, but let's assume the figure is hypothetically $40 billion, hypothetically. You're not going to solve that problem in the next 10 years with a increase of a gas tax. And we have to think about how do we, how do we get bigger than that? We, I'm supporting a ballot initiative. We filed a ballot initiative that will, would allow us to regionally raise money. And you'd have to explain to the voters of Massachusetts that if we, if we raise some tax somewhere or some, 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 some amount of money somewhere, that that money would be dedicated towards a $50 million, hypothetically, $50 billion investment in transportation. That's bold. And over the course of the next 10 or 20 years, we could upgrade all of our systems to deal with not just traffic, but it's actually moving people around. Now, the cars aren't going to leave the road. Uh, bicyclists aren't going to leave the road. People are going to take different modes of transportation. But making it that, that we can have a better infrastructure system for bikes, having making sure we can have rapid bus systems that moves people along, it's about moving people. Uh, people today, when you think about individual mindsets, we jokingly said off the, off the air here, we're talking about the iPhone. The iPhone is about information, and people want information immediately at their fingertips, and they want to have it now, and, and, and the societies move so much faster. So we're moving fast in so many different ways, but we're not moving fast in transportation. And that, I think that, that will, that inevitably, if we don't start to deal with this and address this issue on a bigger, broader scale, I think that will have longer, long-lasting impacts on the city, similar to the impacts of the 128 belt when people left the city of Boston and moved all their companies out to the, out to the, the 128 belt. I think something, I don't know what the, what, the, what, the, what the next thing is, but if we don't figure a way here to move people around quicker, then we're going to have some problem like that. You look at, in L.A., they were talking about um, – the tech companies are moving now. Some of them are moving from um, from Silicon Valley into L.A. And L.A. is 
aggressively attack going at some of these counties and towns are going after some of these tech companies where, where Silicon Valley owned them. Now LA is going after them. Um, you look at out in Arizona, um, and so the, and what's happening? LA is, build, is building a, a rail system um, out in out in western part of the country. Phoenix, Phoenix, Mesa, and, and Topeka, uh, Tempe, Arizona. Excuse me, Tempe. Uh, they're creating a light rail system. There's some resistance out there, but they're create they're not creating it necessarily to move their residents around. They're creating it because there's opportunities for growth and business growth out there. So when you and, and you look at these places where they're making investments in large investments in infrastructure, I think that that's something that's needed. The future of Boston, whether it's the growth we're experiencing today or the sustainability long term, I mean, I need we we need a revenue source. We need we need to figure it out. That's why you know I support I support the uh, increase of the gas tax. When I was a legislator, I voted for the increase of the gas tax. The voters of Massachusetts voted it down. Uh, a gallon of gas in L.A. is four dollars and sixty five cents a gallon. Wow. All right. So I mean, it's, it's reality. I mean, it's a true reality. And there's more cars driving in L.A. than Boston. I mean, I know, I know we're supposedly the worst city in America for traffic, but I don't know. I mean, I was in the car out there. It's pretty not not that much. Not it's not no better. I'll tell you that. Um, so so I, I when I talk about being bold, I think you know p- putting off, um, you know trying to get to an agreement. I think that w- the legislators need to think about again. It's about the impacts. Um, their job, and I was there and I loved it, is to um, to work on legislation, laws that affect people in Massachusetts. The biggest piece of legislation <clears throat> they have every year is the budget. In that budget, they have they have to deal with um, issues around there, such as um, you know they have issues on healthcare, they have issues on pensions, they have issues on funding programs. They also have issues in order to get more revenue into that budget. Uh, it's about growth in the Commonwealth, not just growth in Boston, growth in the Commonwealth. So the more companies that come here, the more growth you're going to have, the more income tax you're going to have, the more money you're going to have to spend on the programs you want to spend. If we don't make a serious investment in transportation, then companies are going to start. People are going to say, well, why would I go there? Maybe I can go to West Coast or somewhere else and make and go there because I can get around better. I don't need a car. I can move people around. That's why I think we need to make the investment today up front because it is about the growth of, this, of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and the growth of Boston. It's not just, I mean, I'm not in charge of the Commonwealth, but if I were the governor, I know the governor thinks this way, I think, as well. You know, how do you, bring, how do you attract new industry to our state? You don't want to be states to the south of us that, that are losing industry every day. And, and you know, the governor of Rhode working really hard to try and bring that state back. And the governor of Connecticut lost a lot. But it, so to do all this stuff, you have to make a case to the people. And I think if you make a case to the people, I think they'll understand. I think they'll support it. Like in L.A., 71% of the people voted to increase the gas tax, increase the sales tax to be able to make infrastructure improvements. A couple of years ago in Boston, the Community Preservation Act, uh, in 2001, the city tried it. It lost 70-30. You know, we, we did it in 2015. We went out and convinced people that uh, 1% on surcharge on your property tax will be able to make more investments in open space, historic preservation, and affordable housing. And the voters of Boston voted to increase their taxes. And we were able to get this money, and then we were able to work with the legislature this year to get an increase in the match. So we're going to get 44 cents on the dollar now. If you tell a story and you people can understand it, and in that particular case, the Community Preservation Act, I think the selling point to the community, I think I think why voters voted for it was maybe a little bit for open space and historic preservation, but majority was for, for, for housing. They wanted to make sure we create more housing because they knew they know there's a housing crunch out there. And I think if you sell it to the community, you put give it to the people to vote. But if they vote on it, then then that's a win. 
So, um, so it sounds like, I mean, you're saying a, the 15 cent gas tax, which might be ambitious for what the legislature's appetite is, but you certainly support that. We've heard, you know, business leaders, Jim Rooney at the Chamber of Commerce has been pretty aggressive in talking about the need to deal with it. But you're suggesting that at the end of the day, that's not bold. That's almost like kind of little fighting around the edges. So this idea of a regional assessment that, you know, I know people have been talking about, it sounds like you'd be would you be prepared to lead a campaign in the greater yeah. Boston area I mean, for that? Just what I experienced in the last couple of days here in going out to L.A. and, and seeing the seeing the whole picture, if you will, of, of where they want to grow the city. And they have a lot more. We don't have that much land to grow the city to make better connections and, and to really tap into more industry. Uh, and, and then on top of that, you know, when I met with the mayor's staff in L.A., Mayor Garcetti, he was talking – they were talking about and working on the same issues we are, the in, income inequality piece – we're talking about how a, a black family's net income is, is worth is, is lower than a white family. We're talking on pay dis- so we're ta- they're, they're working on the same issues that we're working on. So as we think about growing, as they think about growing their city, they're also dealing with these social pro- issues that are out there and trying to address the social issues as well. So so gentrification is is something that a lot of people are concerned about in L.A. as we are here in Boston. And how do you how do you grow a city smart and, and allow people opportunity? So they they they're thinking a little differently about it. Now they're younger than us, obviously they're a lot younger city than Boston, but but as they think about these as they think about this growth, how does it affect everyone in a positive manner? So to answer your question is, if we could if we could sit down and have a real conversation, it, it impacts what what the legislature does impacts Boston. It impacts Boston, and and so. You know, when the when the tax gets raised, if it does get raised, there's going to be infrastructure. I mean, I'm going to be pushing to make that infrastructure into the, into the public transportation system, and I, that which means that I don't care if it goes regionally, because it's going to impact, it's going to impact Boston in a positive way. Uh, but but it, but it's something that there's so much need I think out there that we need to do more. But in terms of this legislation that you know has been proposed, would you would you be prepared to sort of lead a regional effort? I think Mayor Curtitone. I know there's a lot of other mayors that would, would get behind that. I mean, that almost, to me, to not be presumptuous, that almost sounds like it could be a legacy-defining thing in the to sort of well, it is really for, set out something it, bold that, it, that it you is say for, would, it is would for do me, the like job. I said, he, you know, I've talked to him about this. When, uh, as I mentioned, L.A. County, I think there's 97 cities and towns in, in, in L.A. County. Some are uh, L.A., Los Angeles City is the biggest, and, and some are as small as, I think, you know, a couple hundred people. Uh, but he, he went around the county. And he advocated for this tax, and he wanted and explained to people. And in some cases, you got to be careful. Like, who's the mayor of LA coming into my area, telling me what to do? But he went in with the mayor, and uh, and nearly a hundred percent—not a hundred percent, but nearly a hundred percent of the mayors bought in. Both are conservative and, and progressive and liberal and all over the place. And they, because they understood the value of this, right? And, and, and you know, you know, it's about it's about a value statement. It's about really making a, a big impact. I, I was at an event earlier today, and I talked about, uh, you know, on, on on your on your sink. If you have a pipe under your sink that's leaking and you put tape on it and you continue to put tape on it, you don't fix the issue. But by the time you decide to fix the issue, not only are you replacing the pipe, you're replacing the pipe, you're replacing the floorboards, and you're replacing the ceiling of the, of the unit under you. And when you could have just fixed the pipe years before that, the pipe is broken, the floorboards are wet, and the ceiling's ruined. So we have to make those, those, that, that type of investment, I think, here in the T. And again, it's not, I'm not blaming. This should not be sent. It's not blaming Governor Baker because it's not his fault. It's not blaming anybody. It's just it's been it's been decades and decades of decades of deferring maintenance. I've dealt with it in my own city. Uh, when I look at, you know, we broke ground the other day on the first firehouse in in forty years. 
We're building new libraries. We have an art, we have a collection of special collections at our copy library that's in a room that the collections are in a box. They're in a room protected by a sprinkler system. These are valuable assets to the city of Boston. We're making investments now. Our schools, two-thirds of our schools were built prior to World War II. Like, we haven't, like, seriously? We haven't done anything in our schools since two, like, what, what, I don't know what, why we weren't thinking this way. And what we're trying to do, what I'm trying to do as an administration is lay down a foundation that so whoever follows me in this role can just keep going what we're doing with the building plan. My point of the story is that if you put it off, eventually it has to be addressed. And it just so happens that it's happening on Governor Baker's watch when it comes to transportation and BATA. And for me, it's happening on my watch when it comes to old schools and school buildings and, and city buildings and all these municipal buildings that just haven't been touched in decades. It also says you're, you're taking ownership in some ways, even though it's a state thing. The transportation issues are, are also the impact, much more of a city issue than they used to be. The or, impacts on yeah, Boston are right. tremendous. The impacts, you know, the impacts, the transportation impacts on our city, uh, it, 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 I don't want to say it's all or nothing, but the two issues that, as a mayor, that, that, that you know, we focus on a lot of issues, but two issues, I think, for the growth of our city and the sustainability of our city are going to be transportation and housing. Mm-hmm. So I just want to turn a little bit to... Uh, some other topics. So we're a few weeks uh, out from having had the what usually is called the off-year city election when the city council is yeah. up for re-election, but the mayor, crazy. the mayor, votes. the mayor is not. Yeah, eight eight votes. Eight um, votes, unbelievable. So so we're now, although it's still two years off. If we look ahead, the next city election is now is now a little less than two years from now. What's that? It'll be over. It'll be over. <laughs> so I, I guess who the mayor is. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I'm giving an offer you. I know you're. This is exciting, an exclusive opportunity here on the podcast uh, to sort of give give everybody uh, uh, the news on are you going to be running for a third term? Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much for this. This is uh, I wasn't expecting this today. Well, it's, uh, it's our gift. You know, I'm focused right now. On, I'm the mayor. Uh, and my job is to be, continue to be the mayor. Um, I love my job. Um, we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of, um, when I talk about the issues of transportation and 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 housing, those are two two of two of 30, 50, 40, 50 issues I work on every day to make sure we continue to move forward in the city. Uh, I'm focused on being the mayor of Boston right now, um, you know. And I'm focused when, when the time comes uh, in tw- April of 2021, the papers come out, uh, and whoever wants to run for mayor of Boston, you go down and you sign your name in the book, and you pull the papers, and you get some signatures, and you put them back in, and then the race is on, and we'll, we'll see what happens at that point. We'll see what happens. So you're 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 still undecided about whether? No, it's not. I'm I'm, folk, I'm mayor of Boston. I'm the mayor. Is Michelle Wu? Do you think she's going to run for mayor? I have to ask her. But you don't have any feeling about that? No, I, you know the jobs. I would suggest anyone who wants to be mayor, you should run for mayor. It's a great job, and um, you know, it, it, I don't have feelings about it. I mean, it's just listen. I think that when the time when, when the time comes, um, you know, and if I'm running for election. I'm going to be able to tell my story of what I've done for the city and, and how I've advocated on behalf of the city. Uh, I've had one one re-election already, um, and I've been able to prove to Boston, the people of Boston, the job I do, uh, and working hard every day for the people of Boston. Um, I don't think anyone doubts my my um, my commitment to the city. Um, you know, I, I do this job, you know, pretty much all the time. Um, you know, to the detriment of my family to some degree. You know, my family is, is sacrificing a lot because I'm never home and I'm always, always doing things. And and I think that um, when I say that, I mean, that's, you're in this business and, and that's what your family, 
they don't know at first what it is. I don't think any of us really understood in the beginning the impact of what, what how this job works on a, on a family. But um, you do it because I do it because I love the city of Boston. Um, I love being able to offer um, solutions and, and moving our city forward in a positive manner. I hear it every day. Uh, there are some aspects of this job that we've done, I think, really, really well. And there's some aspects of this job that we have room to grow in. Uh, and I think that that's what we're going to continue to do over the next two years and, and, and maybe beyond. Um, but I think that, you know, I'm not going to get caught up in the whole, you know, are you running, you're not running. I'm going to be asked a million times, just watch my actions. Yeah. You figure it out. And I know you've not said. Not you, but people figure it out. You've said in the past, you know, that you, you aren't looking for like a Menino-type reign. I mean, yeah. you served 20 years. Let's talk about that for a minute. Not not about Manino, but honestly, if I could go back and rewrite the city charter um, and, and create an opportunity in, in any city in America, I think the mayor's office should be honestly two five year terms. Um, I think if we could go back and do it over, because right? I think that you know when you first become the mayor, you take a year, year and a half to figure it out, maybe a little longer than that, depending on some aspects of it, because there's a lot of information. Like I think I'm stronger on envi- the environment today than I was when I started. I think I'm a lot more understanding of, 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 of you know, um, different aspects of the job than I was, you know, on the on the fiscal side of it, the healthcare side of it, and the pension side of it. I kind of understood that stuff. So you learn it, you know, then you lay down a foundation, you have a vision, a plan, you start to lay out your plans, and then the next four years, you, you kind of see those plans come to fruition. And, 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 then, and then you're at this point in eight years that, you know, you still have a little more to do, and you're running out of time. And, you know, if you're term limited after eight, you know, people start, that's six year, people start running, and now all of a sudden it's, it's, it's you know, you're lost in the shuffle, now they're talking about the next mayor. And honestly, I've had conversations with mayors around the country talking about it. I think the 10-year period is, is, a, is a good time to be mayor. It, it, gives, it gives an individual and administration a decade to make significant change, and then it allows the next, somebody new to come in, and continue some of the great things that the prior administration was doing and then bring their own feel for it. And I think roughly every decade, there's a different flair in the city. I mean, there's a different feel in the city. It takes about 10 years and there's a different feel in the city. And, you know, uh, we're going through a transition now, I think, Boston, from, you know, what we were the last 10 years. We're going through a transition to be, we're a younger city in some places, some cases. We have an older population as well. The two, the two fastest growing populations are our millennials and our older Bostonians. So we're having a different identity uh, than it was 10 years ago, and which was different than 10 years before that. And so I think if, if I could rewrite it, I would. So um, That's th- an interesting idea because the 10 years kind of that just spills over into half of a third term. So little little room there to, yeah, for yeah. a possible third term. Yeah, it, it, no, but I no, – no, no. I, I, yeah, yeah, I take your point. No, but I, I'm talking about if I, if I go back and no, I, I, if I could do it over again. Right. And, and I think – just think about the way cycles work. And, 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 and Mayor, in a 10-year cycle, would have, we'll have some good prosperity in that 10 years and we'll have some challenges in that 10 years as well. Uh, you know, so, you know, right. I've been fortunate to have pretty prosperous years, uh, but we're always preparing for the downturn. We're always, you know, financially looking internally. You know, we have a really good budget team in the city, uh, triple ABRON rating last six years. We're going to continue that. That, that. that shows me that, you know, as we, as we pre- prepare the budget for next year, we do it every year, we prepare what happens if the economy kind of just collapses. Where will we make the cuts? Where, will we make, where, do we, where do we do that stuff? How do we make sure that the investments that we're making continue to move forward? Mm-hmm. So, that, that's what, so, so that's kind of to answer the – not answering the, the – am I running again? Right. But to answer the question about 
the, the limit of a mayor. And so just very quickly, I was going to ask you one last thing about schools. Uh, you know, we've got a new superintendent. From everything I've read, uh, Brenda Casillas is getting a lot of positive notice and reviews for, for her early, early months. But at the same time, I think people recognize it's a big district. It's got a lot of challenges that, you know, don't change overnight. Uh, we're hearing the state is sort of doing a comprehensive review, which they do periodically of a lot of districts. But hovering over that has been this talk about, although it's a routine uh, review, you know, it has in other cases at times been the, the, the sort of uh, predicate to yeah. some kind of action by the state to say, you know, these schools aren't cutting it. And I think in their last uh, uh, accountability assessment, for, uh, you know, several dozen of the hundred and some schools in the city that they reviewed, they said we're, we're in need of targeted or broad-based intervention. Are you, yeah. I mean, are you worried that no, the state may say we've got to come in and, and take over the job here on some of these schools? What worries me is that there's constant stories about Boston and it gets spilled over from, from past practice, um, opinions of Boston, uh, you know, the state's going to take us over. Now we're going to focus on that for the next, obsess about that for the next six, eight months. Um, you know, this review that the state's doing is, is an annual routine review. Uh, I think they review every city and town roughly every three or four years. They do this assessment across cities and towns. Boston, it, it's more complicated. It's a bigger review, obviously, so I think they do it once a decade. Uh, we do our own internal reviews. I, I think that, you know, there was a story the other day in the paper talking about um, underperforming schools and how our, how our grades in Boston went down on the, on the nationwide assessments. The state went down, too, mm-hmm. and we only read about Boston. Um, you know, Brenda has, when Brenda came here, I told her to, you know, the pundits, you know, listen to what they have to say, but don't get caught up in it. Um, she spent the first, you know, four months here um, visiting. I think she's visited almost every single school. She's making herself accessible to almost every single parent organization and group. Um, she's also trying to internally make adjustments and changes internally. Um, you know, the district is big. It's complicated. Um, when you think about Boston, um, you know, we have fifty six, fifty seven thousand kids in our district. Um, forty five hundred of those kids are homeless. So the challenges of those families. Think about that. If if a district had forty five hundred kids homeless, that just that alone. Uh, a third of the our district English is not the first language at home. Uh, Two thirds of our kids live in poverty. So th- just think about those challenges for a minute. Now in, in a district our size, um, if you had a city our size, which we do, and, and, and if, if our city seven hundred thousand people had had a lot of the obstacles we had that we had to overcome, it would be pretty hard to govern there. Um, you know, I'm I'm very appreciative of the legislature coming to an agreement on the funding school funding piece. Uh, that's going to be a help to us. Um, it's a roughly. I think it's $100 million over seven years, so roughly $14 million additional money we'll get from the state over a couple of years. That's another, having consistency in funding is important. To know what we're going to have from the state coming in is important. Um, in the last year um, of uh, the school year we're in currently, you know, we, we've added, working collaboratively with the teachers' union, we've added uh, school nurses in every school. They're not psychologists, but they're, they're not counselors, but they're in every school now to identify some of the stresses that kids have. We've increased our counseling in our schools and most of our school, some of our schools. So we have more work to do. We really just need to start treat, treating our kids, uh, not just as students, but really, uh, and I don't want to say we're social workers in the city, but collaborating on a better pace with the state to make sure that the families that are, that are struggling have access to programs. So that's, that's our school side of it. Uh, and then I'm not going to get into the building side. Uh, we've made some gains. There's definitely some gains we have to make. There's no question about it. You know, I, I, 
would love to see all of our kids performing at, you know, uh, private school rates, but they have challenges, and it's not that simple. Uh, and I think that we're we're trying to, you know, we're bringing universal pre-kindergarten to Boston. That'll be here in the next couple of years. We we're, we we, did, we funded that in the budget. We extended the school day, which we're seeing some benefits of that. So we're making gains. Uh, we're making gains the way that people want to report on it. Maybe not. But we are make, we're going to continue to make gains in our district. Our goal, I said to Brenda, stay focused on the job. You know, don't don't focus on all of you know. Again, that we're chasing. When I say this, not in a negative way necessarily, but you know, the media is requesting information all day long. Don't listen to us all day long. You tell her. Well, well, I mean, <laughs> I don't mind a piece. Like a lot of times, you guys will do a comprehensive piece. Mm-hmm. You're a different type of reporting in a way. You'll do a comprehensive piece, and we'll get the good and the and the bad in there. And, and but when you get the one-off stories, like you know, when when I read about. You know, I read the story in the Globe about um, you know compare, they compared Newton, one of the schools in Newton, to Brighton. That's not a comparison. Like that's not a comparison. You can't compare Newton to Brighton. It's just a different situation. Um, you know, uh, you know, comparing a charter school to a public school, you can't do that either. It's, it's, it's not the same. I mean, so I think that you know we do it definitely have work to do, and I think we're we're, make, we're making those impacts. And then there's this piece of legislation that the, that the state passed will be helpful. And then when the assessment's done. We'll get a chance to look at the assessment to see where the gains are. I mean, let's be clear. The gains are, the, we base gains on test scores, okay? And the state gains gains on test scores. So if that were the true way to, gain, to, to judge and rate a school, then why was there a valedictorian story of all these valedictorians in Boston that didn't do that well? They all tested well. But they, you know, they clearly there was other issues there. So it's not just about test scores. It's about, it's about opportunity. It's about getting our kids prepared for a pathway to college or career. If it's all about test scores, you mean, well, if it's test scores, then I'm, I'm a failure on it. And maybe, mm. Michael, you probably might have been a great test taker. I don't know about it, that. It, it, but it, it, so it, it got to be based on the individual. And, and that, that's yeah. why I think Brenda, the one thing about Brenda that, that, that I love about her is that she's spending so much time sitting with parents and listening to people and, and talking to them and coming up with ideas. Uh, you know, this year we're going to have 18 schools that are going to convert from, from K-5 to K-6. And then next year we're going to do more. We, we, we made a decision to be a K-6, 7, 12 district for the most part. And we're going to have sporadic schools. At one point in Boston, we had 22 grade configurations, 22 different start times. You know, every time something came up with an idea, we placated people. We have to stop placating people. But we have to make sure we make the, make the decisions now and say, okay, this is, we're sticking with this for the next decade. She wants to be at 13 years. And her, her reasoning for that is she wants to see her kindergarten class that came on her first year. She wants to see them through the system. We've never heard that from anyone before. She wants to be at 13 years to see that through. We need to make sure that the kids, for her and from, for me and for all of us, the kids that are in all of our classes, but we need to make sure that those kids, uh, by the time Brenda Casillas' kindergartners graduate college, that our district is completely different. It's going to take time. All right. Well, listen, Mayor Marty Walsh, we want to thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Hope you'll come back and no, join I will. us. I, I like the, 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 thanks, This is good because you get a chance to have a conversation that, yep. that otherwise you wouldn't have a conversation on. Exactly. So I'm Michael Jonas. Thanks for listening to the podcast from my colleague, Bruce Mall. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, Mr. Mayor. Yeah, and to everyone listening, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. And uh, hope you have a good holiday season. I can't believe it's here. Christmas tree lighting starting next week. <laughs> and trellises and menorahs <laughs> and anything you want to like, give us a call. Thanks again. All right.